Today is a very special day in our church, and it's a special day for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, we are going to have a relatively shorter time in the Word now because we are going to have a testimony at the end of our service today, and I want you to look forward to that and not be grabbing your purse as soon as I close us in prayer because you guys get to be blessed by to hear how the, the Lord has been working in one of our, our young ladies, Miss Alyssa. I want to encourage you to, to, to be ready for that and, and stick around for that. But also because today is the last day in our 40 days of prayer. And we have been, what this has been, the purpose of this, what we are doing is we have taken 40 days. And, and, and when we have met, when we have talked, when we've come together at church on Sunday, you have seen the videos day after day on our Facebook page. We have been praying and preparing our hearts to get the gospel to every home. We see, if we, we see a tremendous need in our community for people to hear the good news of the gospel. And I think that that has been so, so, so clear as we have faced this pandemic. Because we have had so many people that maybe just because they were used to the routine and they just went to church because they'd gone to church in, the, in, in their life and they'd just gotten used to that routine and that routine got smashed and because there wasn't anything under that routine, there wasn't any foundation of that routine, suddenly that routine is now gone and they're not here and they're not anywhere. But also because suddenly these people that have managed to get by because of work friends or because of, of, of sports friends or because of, of whatever it may be. Maybe it's a, an organization or a club that they are a part of in town. And, and they were getting by in life, leaning on maybe other groups of people or, or whatever it might be. Suddenly those things were taken from them and they realized that there might be more to life than just what they did every day. And that there might be more to life than, than, than just what we, what we breathe, the air we breathe and what we see and what we experience from day to day. Suddenly, over the last year, we all have to admit, death became a very real reality. Because we started to know people that were getting sick. And know people that were passing away. And, and this virus had no distinction between young and old, between those who were seemingly healthy and those who were not. And so there have been many that have begun to even just internally ask the question, is there more to life than what I do every day? Well, brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, you have the answer to that question. And the catch is, is most of the people that are now asking those questions, they don't have a church network. They don't have friends and family that are, are, are believers that they can run to. They don't know where to turn and they don't even know the difference between, say, the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witness or the Christian. And they're not going to go looking for a church because they don't know how. And so the church needs to go to them. And so while our time of prayer and, and preparation of our hearts is coming to an end today, in the next few weeks, we will be beginning preparations to put all of our prayer and all of our, of, of our heart condition into action. We have prayed up. We are going to continue to pray. We have thought about. We have recognized. We have hopefully had the Holy Spirit stir our hearts through the devotions and the sermons and all those other things. But now we are going to do something. 
We are going to assemble these gospel bags that, that have all of these different ways for people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We are going to go into the areas surrounding our church. We're going to deliver these bags, hanging them on doors and meeting the people that we see out and along the way. But in order to do this, we have to be prepared to share with anyone that we might encounter. From the shyest person in this room to the most introverted or, or the most um, nervous to the most outgoing and boisterous. Every, every single one of us needs to be ready to, when we have an encounter with someone, say something about Jesus. And so for that reason, we are going to take today and we are going to revisit the three circles that you have seen week in and week out. We're going to show you how to use this message and we're going to show you specifically today how to use this message through a passage of scripture. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4. And we are going to begin our time today by reading John chapter 4 starting in verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 12, but we're going to continue on as we continue on. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. In John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1, and it says this, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee, and he passed through Samaria. And he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, which um, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing with which to draw and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons with his cattle? Please be seated. So as we look at this passage, we want to say, okay, how do, as we look at this passage, we want to follow Jesus' example and ask the question, how do I share the gospel as I'm out on the road? How do I do that? And the first thing we need to do, the first thing I want you to, to kind of write down is I want you to see the need. And we're going to do this. This is kind of where we get the title of our message today, which when we see the need, it means we listen well. So the first thing we need to do is we need to be listening. We need to, as we go up to people, we need to talk to them. Jesus, our passage today begins with Jesus passing through Samaria on his way to Galilee. As he passes through, tired from his journey, he stops to read at this well just outside of Sychar. While out the well, he encounters the Samaritan woman who is coming to draw water. And while it may be Jesus is the one who asked for the drink, they both knew that they were there because of their mutual need for water. The first thing we have to do as we, share, as we share the good news of the gospel with the lost is to see the needs that are there. 
Now, my daughter is going to bring up the three circles here in just a second and just bring up the logo for right now, Lainey. And, and the first thing that's going to happen is we share. Our, well, that's cool. Um, that's not what I meant, though. Uh, the first thing that we need to do as we that's fine. Um, as we share the gospel is we need to ask people, how are you doing? And you think about it, that's a very natural thing, right? You're going to be walking around. We're going to be up in this neighborhood over here or walking down there. And, and Lord willing, on a Sunday afternoon in the, the, a sunny day in the summer, we're going to walk up to people and people are going to be outside. They're going to be working, mowing their yard. They're going to be working on their flower bed. They're going to be playing with their kids. And we're going to walk up and we're going to go, hey, how you doing? That's what you'd ask anyways, right? Hey, what's up? How are you? And the funny thing is, is people will typically answer. How are you doing? Well, it's hot. You know, I'm working on this. Oh, not too bad. Just doing some last minute chores before I got to start, before I got to go back to work on Monday. People are going to answer that question. And some people are going to really answer that question. And they're going to tell us what's going on in their life. And they're going to say, well, I've been a lot better, but you know, but because of this or man, this I've, I'm trying to get my work done and everything in my garage seems to keep breaking. And I, I don't have time to run to Lowe's and, or wherever and to get more. We discover, and, and this is true of strangers. And a lot of times this is true of friends and family. When we ask people how they're doing, they begin to share their life with us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when they do this, they often reveal their needs, their longings, and their insecurities. And we have to listen. We have to listen to what is happening. In the case of the woman, it was, to, it was the need for water and specifically the need for water without the hassle of the other women of the town who may judge her or harass her. Jesus perceives the need of this woman. And as we go to share Christ, we need to perceive those needs as well. We need to recognize people that are, are, that are living lives of quiet desperation. Trying to very subtly keep up with the Joneses. Trying to make sure that they have, that they look like their neighbor, that they're doing what their neighbor, that they're making ends meet, they're making, getting the bills paid, that their kids are, are living well-adjusted lives and, and are not unhealthy or whatever it might be. They will clue us in. They will give us their tells that tell us what they need. And when they do this, as we ask them how they're doing, when we look, listen well, we will begin to see and proceed the, perceive the needs that they have and the things that they are trying to do, the rat race that they are involved in. And then we can speak truth into their world. So first we need to listen, see the need. We need to listen well. Then we need to speak truth, which means we need to respond to what's going on. Look in our text again, picking up in verse 13. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Notice her need, thirst. She's thirsty. But whoever drinks of the water that will give him, that, that I will give him, shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty nor come all this way to draw. He said to her, go call your husband and have him come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said correctly, I have no husband. For you have five husbands and the one who you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. Jesus, what Jesus does in this passage, I want you to, to kind of see this, is Jesus whets her appetite for more. 
And so she is at, if you think about it, her need in this moment is that she is thirsty. She needs this water to survive. She needs it for her daily life. She understands the need. He speaks into this need and says, says that you have this need, but I can meet this need in a way that you can't even wrap your mind around. And she says, tell me more. And a lot of times as we share our faith with people, one of the mistakes we make is we want to rush through it so fast so that we can say we did it that people just look at us and think that, that well, they're just doing this because they have to. Never once do we really look at someone and just say, I, listen, I hear what you're saying. I can see how, how you are stressed out and, and you're trying to just try to get all the work done and you're trying to get things done because you know you got to go to work in the morning. But you know, life is more than that. And, there, and, and, and I just want to encourage you right now, and I know you're stressed right now, but listen, the yard will get mowed. And if it doesn't get mowed, what's a few more days? You don't live to mow yard, unless you're a lawnmower, Wayne. You don't live for that. And they may say, well, you know what, you're right. And I'll say, let me, let me tell you a little bit more. Let me tell you why we're here. Let me tell you what really matters. Let me show you what's great. See, this woman was captivated by the opportunity that was presented to her. And if we look in verse 15, she says, Sir, give me this water that I may never thirst again. We do the same thing when we share Christ with others. We understand their needs. We listen for their needs. We, we recognize what is going on. And then we transition to what is their real need, their true need behind the desire to keep up with the Joneses, to fill the rat race, to get all the things done. A lot of times as we are sharing our faith through this three circle methods, we'll use something like this that says, I have not been in the exact same situation unless you have, but I have experienced similar things. And can I tell you something that helps me keep it all in perspective? So the man that is stressed out because all of his, his, his lawnmower and his weed eater and everything's breaking or running out of gas, he'd be like, you know what? I've been there. I know what that feels like when just everything goes wrong. And I've been, I have maybe been through exactly what you're going through right now, but I've definitely experienced what you're experiencing right now. And can I share something with you that might help keep it all in perspective? And they may very well say yes. And if they do say yes, then now suddenly you have this open door to share Christ with them. We get to speak truth into their life. And that truth starts with our first circle here. And so if I go to that person, I say, I've been through similar things. And can I just share with you something that kind of helps me handle it all and keep it all in perspective? And they say, yeah, sure. I say, well, the first thing that I want you to understand is that God has a design for everything. And the Bible even says this in Genesis 1.1, it says, For God created the heavens and the earth, and he created everything with purpose and on purpose. Which means, sir, God made you, and he made me. And he made you with a purpose. And I've got news for you, that purpose was not to mow your yard. So don't let that stress you out too much. Not only does God have a design for our life, but the reality is, is if we followed that design, we would live just, we wouldn't be stressed and we wouldn't be, be worried about this thing or the next, but we would, we would just enjoy him and just live life in complete contentment. But judging by the fact that you're stressed out, and I know that there have been times in my life where I'm stressed out, I recognize that you nor, neither you nor I follow God's design. 
In fact, we leave God's design to find our own, and that's called sin. And sin is exactly what I said it was. It's when we leave God's design for our life to find our own. The Bible says we all do this because all, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 6.23. Notice in our passage today that Jesus even confronts this woman with a specific sin in her life. That of adultery and being a serial wife. Now, odds are you probably won't do that. And in fact, I might not encourage it as you go out and be like, you know, all of us are sinners and judging by that beer in your hand, we can tell you're a drunk. So let's get, ta- let's get started. I don't recommend that. But we can still point out the fact that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that we recognize that sin and we can tell them that we recognize that sin. And we see it in us just like we might see it in them. Now, as we come to this point, I want you to notice as we see this confrontation with Jesus, um, with the woman, then suddenly we see how she responds to this. He goes on and says, um, call your husband. And he says all of these things. And then picking up in verse 19, it says this. Um, She says, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You know, our fathers worshiped on the mountain and your people say that in Jerusalem is where you ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither on this mountain in Jerusalem will you worship the father nor in Jerusalem. But you will worship for you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in the spirit and truth. For such people, the father seeks to be his worshipers. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare these things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The third thing we need to remember to do. So if we've remembered first, we need to see the need. Number two, we need to speak the truth. Number three, we have to stay on target which means we need to focus. Now, a lot of times when we begin to draw forth and speak, talk about sin in the life of people, what are they going to do? They're going to do what this woman did. They're going to change the subject. And so she changes the subject to political things or, or you know, differences between uh, the, the Samaritans and the Jews. People today may want to, follow, may want to go off into distractions at like uh, what kind of, of church and what bad experiences they've had. Um, They're going to want to get bogged down in straw man arguments of bad Christians, horrible stereotypes, their dislike of church music or church dress code. They may talk about how at one point they went to this church or that church. But I want to challenge you today to stay on target. And the reason they do this is because sin leads us to a place called brokenness. And none of us like to feel broken. And so when we point out sin in life, when we say for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we're going to ultimately get on to another text that says, and the wages of sin is death. And that we don't like that because that reminder stirs up the feeling inside of us that we are broken people. And the moment we feel that brokenness again, what do we try to do? We try to cover it up. 
We try to go all these little squiggly lines and we try to go all the different ways to say, well, you know, what about this? What about that? And say, listen, I, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, churches, churches is, are imperfect people serving a perfect God. And I want to tell you that even if you see all the sin in other, other people, we need to deal with, we want to deal with, with what's going on in your life right now. We don't like brokenness, and so we try to distract brokenness, but we need to consistently point them back to Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.23 says, But we preach Christ crucified, to Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. Jesus revealed himself to this woman as the Christ, the one who offered, um, the one who offered her living water, and the one who will make all things clear to her, even though she is a Samaritan and a sinner. Our job is to point those whom we meet to Christ as well. In fact, we hear in that passage, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The enemy wants to do nothing more than to keep you to get from getting to this circle. To keep you from getting people to the point where they have to deal with who Jesus is. Jesus himself says in our passage, when she said, I know the Christ is coming, he says, listen, that's me. And so we point people to Jesus as well. And we say, listen, I know you want to talk about all this other stuff, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus came. And he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for your sins. And he rose from the grave three days later. And that means something. And so I, I know we could talk about how you get baptized or what kind of music you like or whether we should wear a tie or not. But I don't want to talk about that. Let me tell you about Jesus. And we must also be sure that we invite them to respond to this good news. Now, we explain that response to the gospel is to repent and believe. Romans 10, 9 says it this way, for if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Which means that we first, we repent, which means we turn away from sin and, towards, and turn towards Christ. But we also believe that Jesus is everything he said he is. That he is God in the flesh who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave three days later. And we point these people to this truth. And we say, have you ever heard anything like this before? And are you willing to believe and trust Jesus with your life? This leads us to the last thing that we have to do as we share our faith with other people. This is our last S, if you're noticing the theme yet. And the last thing we have to do is we have to surrender the results to God. Basically, we have to trust God to do the saving and not ourselves. After Jesus spoke these words to the woman, she leaves immediately for town and leaves her water pot and everything. But look at what the woman did the moment she heard this good news and went back into town. Jump over to verse 39. It says, from the city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the savior of the world. 
The truth of the matter is, is that we have no idea how many people or who it is that will respond to the good news. Some will reject it to be sure. Some people will want nothing to do with us, nothing to do with the bag, nothing to do with, with our church, and we understand that. But some will receive it. Some will hear it and, and, and they'll be excited about it. And they may go, and they may go about their lives and, and still live the way that they did before. They may end up in another church and that's fine. But some, like this woman, some will hear the good news, they will receive it, and they will begin to share it over and over and over again. As we heard from our passage this morning in our, in our 40th day of prayer, we just don't know what kind of divine appointment God may have in store for us as we go out. And I want you to think this for just a moment. The revival that this church has been praying for for years and years and years may be behind the most unlikeliest of doors. The revival that we have been waiting on for years and years and years may begin by a guy currently underneath his car trying to change his brakes. But until that man or that woman hears the good news, believes, and begins to recover and pursue God's design for their life, we won't know what God has in store for us. As we see Jesus' example in our passage today, the real question is, will we be faithful to go and do, to get the gospel to every home? Are we willing? Will you sacrifice a Sunday afternoon, a Wednesday evening, to go and to see what God has in store? Will you surrender your shyness to God's sovereignty and be faithful in divine appointments? Will you share Christ with our community so that the lost may be found? What about you who are with us today and watching online? You have heard today the gospel prepared, that, presented that God has a design for your life, but because of sin, you've departed from that. And because of that, you find yourself in a state of brokenness. And you can't escape that brokenness. You can't cover it up. You can't hide it. You know that you're broken. You can feel it in your heart. And so you need something outside of your brokenness to step in. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And the gospel is the good news that Christ has come. That Jesus lived a perfect life to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. And that he rose from the grave three days later to defeat death in the grave so that you could finally be set free from your brokenness. That if you would just repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you would be saved from your sin and you would be able to begin to recover and pursue God's design for your life. We ask it this way, as, and we always do. Where do you see yourself in that picture? Do you see that you're trapped in your brokenness? Do you feel that all your efforts to escape have been in vain? Is there anything preventing you from believing in Jesus today and confessing Jesus as Lord?
If there's nothing preventing you right now, then I want you to pray with me this morning. And as we close our service today, we are going to pray a prayer of salvation. And when our service is done, and Alyssa in just a few moments is going to come up and give her testimony about what God has been doing in her life. When all that is done and we pray out and we close our service today, we want you to, to make your way up front, to talk to me, and let me know that you've made that decision today. And I want to talk, about you, talk with you about what comes next. But let's pray right now. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we come before you and we know that you are God and that you have made everything. And you made everything with a purpose and on purpose, and that includes me. But God, I have departed from your design, that I have sinned against you. I've done my own thing, my own ways. And God, I know that that has led me to a place of brokenness. And God, I am trapped in that brokenness. And I am dead in my sin. But God, I have heard today the good news about Jesus. That your son came to this earth, lived the life I could not hope to live so that he could die on the cross for me. God, I believe that he also rose from the dead. And God, I believe that he is your son, that he is my savior. And so God, I come before you now and I believe and I also confess him as Lord. And God, today I am turning away from my sin so that I might be saved from my sin. Lord, thank you for sending your son to save me. Lord, help me to recover and pursue your purpose for my life. God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.